Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host... Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? We're back. It's the last part of our set review, but more importantly today than the last a, part of our set review. We have a preview. The preview card. A little sneak preview yeah, as we discuss what the preview is for the video Ooh. people. The card is called Brought Back, and it's white, white. Yeah, we'll talk about whatever else it does in a second. Yeah, but. we're very excited to talk about it with you guys. So uh, this is the Masters of Modern podcast. As Alex mentioned, we talk about modern on this show. We've been doing this show for four and a half years. 220 episodes. It's crazy how long we've been doing it. And uh, because today we have so much to get through, I think we should just quickly give a couple of our briefest shout outs and then get straight into the topic. Yeah, so new things. Uh, we're uh, actively now. The Discord is becoming more of a live part of how we do things. So definitely come go check it out. There'll be a link in the episode and also obviously below. Uh, it is also if you are a Patreon member, you get exclusive access to kind of our deck list dump area as well as the Patreon discussion section of our Discord. So you can uh, see any we come up with weird, dumb deck ideas pretty much daily accidentally. And we'll now make an effort to make sure we post those deck ideas into that uh, Discord thread. Um, so if you want access to that, make sure to become a patron and you're automatically added to that area. Every patron at the $5 level is going to get access to those all those deck lists. So like Alex and I have been talking about this. You guys heard last week on the show i was texting him about this goblin engineer tide hollow sculler mirror superior build that's really cool i talked about it last night on the youtube which is the other thing i wanted to mention oh, no, no, so, so everyone with the two dollar or more gets a discord oh, access really? cool. five dollars gets access to the lifelinker code and the unedited episodes so we're, okay, we're going to start releasing the raw unedited audio that has all of the infighting and and swear words <laughs> and movie conversations and all of that stuff is going to be put into uh, a raw full file that gets added and if you have a five dollar better donator to the patreon you get access to that and so the last and thing the lifelinker code. quick shout out that's brand new before we get into the card and you guys will hear all the other patreon and twitter and all that stuff in a later role but Right now, I want to tell everybody here, because of the live streaming feature on YouTube that is being pushed so heavily now, and the fact that the YouTube channel we are building here, which if you're not subscribed, please subscribe now, uh, has been getting a lot of attention twice now, and probably three times by the time this goes up. I have started to go live. Alex is going to do it as well. We're literally talking about setting up a camera, talking to you guys, interacting, having, having a Q&A, answering questions. I am literally coming up with deck ideas weekly and just kind of going through those deck ideas as we just sit there and I, and I hear your guys' feedback and I share ideas, uh, somebody donated the super chat on my show last night and I teched his full deck on the show. And I actually wanted to bring it up with Alex because it's like a Dredgevine, like hollow one hybrid. It's really sure. cool. And, and, really and it's it. kind of like, it's a town hall version of the podcast yes. where you get a one-on-one -on -one interact with us and hang out. Um, Last thing on Patreon, we have a few Patreons that we're going to start shouting out. So if you're a Patreon member, you have access to being your name shout out. I have them saved somewhere. Don't I've taken it. so many screenshots since then. Oh my God. Uh, all right. We got uh, <laughs> Keith W. New Year, Michael Petros, Brian Nordic, and that's it. Those are, the, those are the three for today. They're the new Patreons from last week. Thank you guys for uh, joining the Patreon. Finger guns. Ben's going to salute you because that's what they do on the action podcast. Yeah, that was a We've got to find our own thing. We'll, we'll come up with something cool. Yeah, we always say we so salute like, you. We are not worthy. Something cool. Okay, yeah. figure out. Well, let us know 
people of the internet what you would like us to do for our patrons in the shout out moment. All right, you ready to talk about Most cards? Most importantly, I think you guys want to hear about our preview cards. Yeah, so, so. We've, we've gotten a free preview card from Wizards. Thank you so much, Wizards of the Coast. We always appreciate all of this. The last card we got to do was Kess. Uh, if you see behind us, we normally print out giant versions of cards, especially when they're brand new cards. Um, and this is uh, our card. So it's a brand first, new card. We're going we're gonna to roll it out like a scroll. It's a slow roll. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, so the card is called Brought Back. It's one white. And we're going to roll in so the, the artwork here. Let's see if, how much of this we can actually see. Uh, it's got, it's kind of, it's like a, a shapeshifter. It looks like kind of the old quickling art. You guys can't see me, but I'm excited about it, just the same as you. And the text reads, choose up to two target permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Return them to the battlefield tapped. It is an instant rare, for, uh, and the art is by Mitchell Malloy leave this up here for just a second so you guys get a look of it uh, probably after this part is done marshall will then take uh he'll actually take a screenshot of the card and throw it up here so you can just read it a little more consistently yeah so we're gonna so, we're gonna get rid of the scroll put it over here because that'll be there <laughs> for people thank you for the power of editing so yes uh, but i would love to be able to read it one more time so i can visualize what it does uh brought back so yes choose up to two permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn return them to the battlefield tap that's an instant for white white as alex just read so a couple things this brings to mind this feels in some ways like it's a throwback a little bit to second sunrise it's baby right? second sunrise i was debating for this preview episode to do a like sketch where i would like do a cooking show and i'd be cooking eggs for people and teach them how <laughs> but it'd be like so now we're going to do a little dab of uh you know, reshape and maybe a little bit of this right. ghost quarter into sure. here, into this egg dish. And, you know, uh, so sadly, we're not eating any, you know, we're trying to keep healthy. So we've right. cut the egg yolk. So we're only eating egg whites now. So <laughs> no longer a second sunrise. And it's now a brought back. Brought back. Yeah. The name of our egg dish. <laughs> the name of our egg dish. The brought back. Uh, omelet? Yes, the brought back brought omelet. Back omelet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is our preview card for today, guys. So let's talk about a couple of things that you can do with this. Now, the fact that they enter the battlefield tapped unfortunately does negate the ability to use it in conjunction with something like a Lotus Bloom or a Mox Tantalite. Um, it means you can bring them back, but you can't use them the same turn. Yeah, you don't get the kind of go off. Though, uh, I still think that's really powerful. Like, yeah. being able to get oh, yeah. two mocks. Yeah, I think that's something that you can do to set up your next turn. But they still have to have gone there from the battlefield, which is tough. Correct. So it's uh, so it's like, that, I don't know if that's the angle where this card becomes the most abusable. Sure. It's I think what's interesting about this card is that, first of all, it's, it's two CMC and it's an instant, right? So, like, your ability to use this in modern to just get value, to just create a two-for-one, is totally there. Sure. Like, if there's any kind of a deck that just wants to sacrifice multiple things to get value, if there's any kind of a deck where you're removing counters from something, or let's say it's a Planeswalker, you ultimate, or something like that, there's a lot of situations where this card for two mana is going to generate an enormous amount of value. I can see a situation where maybe you, uh, you, you, you know, lose a planeswalker by bringing it down to zero, and maybe you sacrifice a, some some thing that you can sacrifice to draw a card off of it. Then you play this, you get back another thing to draw another card, get your planeswalker back. It seems like it's well, a lot of value for two mana. I mean, I think just fetch lands is where I'm like kind of most excited. But yeah. I've been talking about for a while, basically since Modern Horizons, like figuring out a a Abzan colored combo yeah. um, lands deck. So like taking advantage of Ayula's influence and the and and really the fact that you know Knight of the Reliquary is really good 
in a lands deck because it can sacrifice lands to bring them into play and keep going off. And this lets you kind of take advantage of that even further, being able to put those lands right back into play. I mean, the simple idea of a deck that is holding this up on turn two with two fetch lands, maybe you take whatever hit they give you on turn one, you play a second fetch land, you crack them both, you play this, and you put in two lands, end of turn. So like then that, you go that jumps to, you pretty far ahead. You go up to five lands on turn three. I mean, modern is pretty chock full of ways that you can get ahead on mana, but in white, that's a that's pretty unique that you don't have to rely on a green to do it. Right. You can do it in a white deck. You can get way ahead. So, I mean, if you think about it, like, there are a lot of white permanents that cost five mana, four and five mana, that are really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you can think about all kinds of stuff. I mean, imagine if you're playing some sort of scape shift variant where a card like... Um, uh, what's the uh, Hour of Promise? Is that the card? One green, four colorless. Gets you two lands in a play. Has sure. That, yeah. Right? Like, the idea that that can accelerate you two lands, right, and it costs five mana, well, you can play your Hour of Promise on turn three in a green-white scapeshift deck. You can literally just crack lands, put them into play, hit, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. you can go way, 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 way ahead. So I think there's, there's a lot of really interesting ways to combine this. Now, one of the places that I think it's the coolest, and I mentioned this to you off camera, people are always trying to find ways to make Isochron Scepter decks work. Um, and <laughs> it is an instant, right? Well, I'm just yeah. saying, I mean, how many times have we talked about like, oh, that'd be cool with Scepter. But as we all know, you know, Scepter is really more of a four drop than a two drop. Sure. You can get blown out so easily in modern, but this with an Isochron Scepter does make it so that your deck can just kind of go bananas. If you can get this effect every single turn, it seems very hard to lose in a deck that's, that's situated to take advantage of it. Sure. Right. I mean, even if you just think about like things that you're sacrificing for value, like whether they're, uh, you know, creatures like your, your, um, Flying one ones that can you know your curse catcher flyers cards like that. If mm-hmm. you're doing something stupid like I would want to do with like a void mage prodigy where you just have right. like a living counter spell on the battlefield, you can sack it. Then end of turn you can you know activate this to get it back. There are locks and things you can set up with this card that I think are pretty powerful. Um, yeah, yeah. The question is, is there the the thing to really be looking for is cards that end of the battlefield that you sacrifice. Like the actual eggs cards part of eggs are good with this because you can still sacrifice those for the draw card effects. You don't need to necessarily have them come into play tapped. So here's, this is a great place to start. The card Ojitai's Command. Never Mm -hmm. deemed playable, good enough for modern, right? That's always been a card that like, I think that card's really cool. We've talked about before that card has, it has value. It's, it's powerful. Like four life, a card, countering a spell, getting back a creature that costs two or less. There's a lot of ways to take advantage of that card. Right. But at four mana, it's a little bit oppressive. Yeah, I think the issue is that always it's not as good as Crypto Command, and decks aren't trying to play more than the four Crypto Command. Like decks are already trying to convince themselves to play all four Crypto Commands. But that costs four to get effectively two for one value. This costs two to get two for one value. Sure. And it's also an instant. Now, in a blue-white deck that wants to get value out of anything from a fetch land to a Snapcaster Mage, there's a lot of ways to take advantage of this. And getting back Planeswalkers out of those decks or getting back, you're right, there's definitely, there's definitely as blue-white control decks become more permanent focus, this does take advantage of that. Even just, what if it's up to two permanents, right? So even if, what if you're not going for two, but they do everything that they can to finally get rid of your Teferi, and then end of turn, instead of countering the spell, you just cast white-white and get Teferi back. Right. And then untap... Yep, I got my spell back. <laughs> the fact that you can activate Teferi, untap two, holding open double white to cast this. Right. Well, and you it, can even do it the turn it comes, like, you don't have to do it at the end of their turn. You can, this is an instant, but, like, with the Planeswalker, who cares if it comes into play tapped? You just automatically get to activate it on your turn, so. Yeah, no, it's, uh. You it's, can tap out for Teferi, they can answer it, and then on your turn for two mana, you can bring Teferi back and then have five mana untapped. Well, it has to have gone to the battlefield this turn, correct? So oh. on their turn, they would handle it, and then yeah, you would right. do it Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're you right. still untap and yeah, leave yeah. the lands open on their turn with their sorcerer speed. keeps the lands open to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I, I actually just think, like, if you're going to evaluate the power level of a card in modern, the easiest thing to do is just look at the CMC, right? Like, basically, we can talk ourselves all day into how good some of these Modern Horizons cards are, and they are. There are some really cool cards, 
But if the thing costs more than two mana, your ability to use it effectively gets a little bit more difficult. And so anytime you have something that's instant speed that costs two, there's a real opportunity to use it. And I think people are going to come up with really awesome ways to use this card to do really powerful things. Um, it feels like this card on first glance being double white is maybe a little bit less sexy, but it's not. This card's good. You can There's going to be very cool stuff. Yeah, I'm, inter- I'm very interested to see. I do think the best place to use it in is an egg deck, but that's m- taking advantage of less of the like mox or lotus side of that right. equation and more on the side of the other halves. And I think the last place to talk about is, so many, many times I have talked about the interaction of, behind me, Claim Fame, um, or a card like Unearth with Snapcaster Mage. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love the idea that you can unearth your Snapcaster targeting Unearth to get something else back. That's sure. always like sort of chains a lot of value. This allows you to do something similar. You can block with a Snapcaster Mage, cast this, get back Snapcaster, retarget it, sack a couple fetch lands, get all kinds of crazy value. You need four mana and done. Like, the value you can generate off of this card, I think, is pretty bonkers. You know, another card that I really like the idea of using with this and kind of in the same shell is that new 2-1 wizard, the one that has a hideaway where you get a card when it leaves the battlefield. Sure. Where it's on the battlefield, you know, maybe you've you've already done the hideaway trick, you block, it goes to the graveyard, you play this, it comes back, you get to hideaway again, you get the first card back. You can mm-hmm. really kind of set up a very cool chain at low CMCs to really take advantage. So I'm excited about this yeah. card, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. This I, feels I, like I I'll think... actually, I'll brew with this, I think. It's cool how great M20 has looked so far, right? I mean, we're, we're pretty much in the middle of the first week. Like, you guys are seeing this. We're recording this on Thursday. So at this point, you know, we don't know what you guys have seen between now and then. But so far, cards have been really exciting. Yeah. I mean, the, my one complaint is it's just like, you know, we're about to go into the last half of our Modern Horizons review. <laughs> and by the time we're done with the M20 reviews, I'll be reviewing, like, out of 15 episodes, 20 of them <laughs> Well, I think what's going to happen is this episode's going to go up. I know that up. I did that backwards. This episode's going to go up, right? Then we're going to go to Seattle, which you guys are watching this after Seattle. So we'll have recorded a live podcast and in that Seattle. That episode was so good. All yeah. you guys missed out. <laughs> which I think the episode, hopefully, we'll be able to keep the audio and video. We're not totally sure how it's going to work. But sure. I imagine we'll be able to post it as our episode for the week. But the idea is that we're going to be doing an episode on basically five to ten cards you can ban in modern and five to ten cards we want to unban is the idea now. Maybe it'll change between now and then. Yeah, I, thought, I think actually we're, we're ranking all of the cards that are banned and their likelihood to be unbanned and then we're going to talk about five cards we would put on a ban list. Yeah. So, so some ban conversations what the episode will turn out to be. We have to finish the production it's on like it. That's a conversation that's really hot right now in modern because <laughs> the last two sets. <laughs> Hogak is terrifying <laughs> and before Hogak was printed Neoform got printed. Well like yeah War of the Spark. Like there was five cards five decks that people <laughs> were talking about banning cards out of and then Modern Horizons came out. And I don't, we'll have to see what M20 does to the format because it does seem like it has a lot of powerful cards yep. in it. But uh, anyway, that episode will post. And so then by the time that posts, when we come back, I think we will literally start our M20 review the next week. Well, so so I will say, so people don't worry ahead of time, I think we're going to mix up how we do reviews and go back to an older format so we're not doing six videos per set. We'll kind of go back to trying aiming to do one and we'll, we'll have more announcements to make as we get closer to our M20 review on how we're going to do that. But I think that just 12 episodes of content is becoming yeah, I think a I, little I, bit tiresome I, I like for both you guys and us. Unless, unless you guys really push hard right now on the internet that we should just continue doing reviews the way we're doing it having four episodes per set. I would say uh, 
that's a great suggestion. So if you're watching, uh, you know, click like, subscribe, all the things. But in the comments specifically, leave below. Do you guys like the set reviews? Do you feel like hearing us go through so many cards, card by card, is the content you're looking for on this channel? Or would you be happier if it was one, maybe two videos tops, as opposed to the three to four hour plus videos that we're doing? It allows us to do less interesting things, interview shows with pros and things like that when we do this. But we want to give you guys the content you want. So let us know what you want. Without further ado, I think we jump into the last part of our Modern Horizons yeah. set review. And once again, thanks, Wizards of the Coast, for the free preview yeah. card. It's super sweet. Um, Always so appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, any other shout outs before we get into the preview episode? No, there's Make sure to check out the command zone. There's a pre-roll that we now, I think, released <laughs> that should have something. And now is the time to place it. What's up, guys? Masters of Modern here. I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. And we've got a couple quick shout-outs for you guys that we wanted to remind you of on this episode. The first one is Twitter, at the MMCast. We've had a Twitter for years. It's a great place to interact with us. We post exclusive images of our brand-new spoiler cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out, at the MMCast. It is a great way to support the show. Kess, where can the folks find you personally? I'm at Kess Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. The second thing is we have a YouTube. You may be watching this right now, honestly. You might be listening to it. But one of the big pushes for us in 2019 is to build this YouTube channel. We want to get more eyes, more ears, bigger guests, better episodes, higher production quality. We even hired a producer right now, so you might even see the camera angles changing. Subscribe, like, comment. It's going really well so far, and honestly, if you guys support it, even if you're an audio listener already, it's a huge thing you can do to help us grow this. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing for our long-term health, is patreon.com slash the MMCast. Guys, this year is going to have a ton of cool rewards for you. We really want to make the Patreon feel special, and it's a great way to help us grow. Our ability to hire the producer, to get new gear, to do anything cool in the future is going to be dependent on our ability to actually pay for it. Because right now, Alex and I are just paying out of pocket for the show. You know, We love it, but that's what we're doing. Well, and, and the producer will help us kind of make sure we stay on stuff on Patreon, so it'll be a really thriving community. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is the command zone. Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai, these guys helped us start this thing. Mm -hmm. Collected.companies, where you can find their stuff. They're seriously the most professional magic people in the world. Not named Ben and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they make awesome content every week. Commander Focus, they do game nights, they do uh, the command zone is the, obviously the podcast, the sister podcast of the NMCast. Check them out, collected.company. It's the same place you can find our episodes every week as well. And the last thing is if you guys want to check out a great community, check out the Facebook group, the Masters of Modern. There's a ton of people in there. It's very interactive. There are constantly threads about new decks, new conversations. Uh, it's very active. Check it out. That's uh, Facebook, the official Masters of Modern group. And otherwise, let's get back to the show. Yep. Thanks, guys. Boom. All right. That was such good shout outs that we, that so many things that are dope. Cool. Make sure to hit the bell to hit that subscribe rate right there. Yes, sir. The subscribe and the bell. There's two buttons. The bell lets you know when me and Ben are live streaming. All, All right. right. First card. And we and some of these cards will hark back to conversations we've had in previous episodes, so we'll kind of throw you back to those. So the first one is Cloud Shredder Sliver, but we had a whole Sliver conversation. Cloud Dresher when we talked. Cloud Shredder Sliver. Cloud Shredder. It's the white it's red one. White red Sliver. Sliver creatures you control have flying in haste. It's a 1-1. One, one. Already seen playing Sliver's decks. Sliver decks are currently not making the waves that any deck can make because Hogak is 50% of the format. I think this um, card is the best sliver in the new set. I think it's, the Unearthed one is better. Is it? Okay. I, th I think they're comparable, though. I think those are the two to really look at. Unearthed lets them become more combo-heavy and because it's so much more resilience. Cloud Shredder Sliver is just generically the most pound-for-pound -pound power. So it's like it's, together, that's a really powerful two cards. It's really good. In Limited that I played this card, I actually have been very impressed with just it's just generally pretty strong. Yep. It works with all the changelings in the set and like this card's cool. Um, so yeah, so, but for a full sliver conversation, go back to the black uh, card review. Cause we started talking about the unearthed one there. And then we went on a whole sliver conversation. Gotcha. Um, next card. And this one's more, more 
De- definitely think format changing is Eldorami. Eladomri. El- Eladomri is called. Yeah, yeah. Green and white instance. Search your library for a creature card. Reveal that card. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Um, this is just one of the better creature tutors now in the format. I mean, like there's, I see a ton of decks being played. I've seen the the Kirin slash Ugin's Conjurant decks playing yeah. this card to be able to find the pieces you need. I've seen combo decks. I've seen elves decks. Like this is this alongside the new uh, green finale right. together have kind of given a whole new green tutor suite to the whole world of green decks that are out there. Yeah. So originally printed in Plane Shift, which I think was released in like 2001 or something like that, or mm-hmm. like 2000. I mean, this card is old. This card is. It's the oldest, most powerful creature tutor that was always deemed sort of just fair enough to play. Like, right. You know, in a format like Highlander, this is a card that usually is in most people's wheels, but like wasn't like just a staple. Like mm-hmm. I didn't play it for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's really good. It's an instant speed, two mana tutor, gets you any creature into your hand as opposed to in play, which, you know, some of the, the like green sun or stuff like that, it's not quite as efficient, but for its cost, it is pretty darn good. And, and there's well, a lot you can speed. do with it. Being instant speed is a huge game and it's in your hand on top of your deck. Like, I mean, instant speed demonic tutor and the decks that are taking advantage of this is an insanely powerful card i i had tried to make time of need work a bunch of times and this is just strictly better correct yeah i mean yeah. i guess it's not because you have to play white to get and time well, of need it, is just green time of need is legendary so can you get lands and art equipment and no, stuff? just it's legendary, legendary creature oh, anytime yeah, you're playing a deck better. that has a specific creature that it wants that is legendary yeah, yeah, it's, it's not a lot of better because the white gets yeah. like malira and stuff like that sure. but uh but yes eladomri's call is very very good yep uh, I'm super excited to see what also it does in the format. a two-mana instant that pairs with a card I like to call Isaac Run Scepter. Just saying, guys. You know what we have next? It's also a two-mana instant that doesn't pair well with Isaac Run Scepter. It's Ice Fang Kotal, green and a blue. Snow Creature, Snake, Flash Flying. When Ice Fang Kotal enters the battlefield, draw a card. Ice Fang Kotal has Death Touch. As long as you control at least three other snow permanents, it's a 1-1. So this is the Baleful Strix that they ended up giving us. And and we, you lose Guaranteed Death Touch for Flash, which I don't necessarily think is a downgrade because you still get really Death Touch, good. especially if you make the snow permanent feature work. And we talked about last episode how the new rare Terramorphic Expanse kind of allows the snow decks to function with this card. Right. Um, and there are now a ton of snow decks out there that are doing a lot of cool stuff. This is, yeah, it's showing up in the snow decks. I think it's showing up in the ninja deck as well because yep. it's, you know, it's blue and so you can exile to Force of Negation, but you also can return it to your hand with any of the ninjutsu effects. Um, I built, so I built a deck that I actually talked about last week on the stream. And if you guys want to hear a full conversation about it, it's a, it's my own version sort of of like a blue tempo deck. And it's this like fairy miscreant, spell slutter sprite with aether vial and Force of Negation. And you're trying to draw lots of cards with Curious Obsession. It's, it's a riff on mono blue tempo from standard, but in modern using fairies. And, and I think like the thing, the thing, if it didn't have the death touch text on the bottom of it, I think people would still be excited about it because a flash flying draw a card one one for two is like a good card. Totally. Like, so I all I was trying to say about that deck is I didn't go I didn't put this in the deck because it's not a fairy, but it's this card was the thing that kind of got me the inspiration for I would like to build something like this in modern, and I do think right in that same exact category of all your all of your like flash claim fame tempo-y sort of value at two mana and less things you want to do in modern this card is perfect for that stuff and you can do a lot of very cool things with it the fact that it flies and has flash allows you to do some very cool things where let's say you have a piece of equipment or something on the battlefield you flash this at end of turn they don't see it coming you can do a lot of damage with this card and how many how many two mana creatures are able to draw you a card on entry there's like four four yeah, yeah. well i think because it replaces itself with the draw card and at instant speed. So at the end of your opponent's turn, you flash it in. And then for the rest of the game, you just can hit them with it. And eventually, it's going to do enough damage that it was worth it. And or they're going to have to deal with it by spending a, like a one mana card to deal with it. So yep. you've now up a card, two for one them. 
or one, yeah, two for one them. Yeah. Um, and put them in a situation where they've taken some damage because this like dumb one one flyer was hitting them. And eventually it gets death touch once you play enough stone lands in the late game and they have like a Tarmogoyf or anything that's attacking and you're like, you can't attack me because I have this one one death touch now that did five damage to you and drew me a card on turn one. I think one of the cooler things two. about this card too, and we actually, I haven't even looked into this, so I don't even know if this is a thing yet, but one of the things Horizons did such a good job of at sort of being Time Spiral 2 is took a lot of concepts from old sets and gave us a new piece that might tie them together. And Snakes, back from Kamigawa was a cool thing. It was one of the parts of Kamigawa. That- well, the, uh, the, 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 what's the snake, the snow snake from yeah, Oren Viper, Oren Viper. So, I mean, but snakes, I, I don't, I know there's like a two or three mana snake Lord and I, there's some other snake things you can do from Kamigawa, sure. but I feel like from that set, the two or three most popular things were like ninjas, snakes, like one other thing. Right. Yeah, rat. Samurai, samurai. Samurai. Yeah. So I feel like there's a decent opportunity at some point that somebody will build at least a very cool FNM level powered deck with this and the snakes from Kamigawa. If not, more than that power level because this is a very powerful snake. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing is this is the second best blue-green. Like, it's interesting how we did our best blue-green cards right after... Ravnica Allegiance. Yeah. And then they're like, they're all bad. Like, it was still like, we did the all 10, you know, which like, they're not Slippery good. Bogle. And then like, Blue Green came back and was like, well, here's Hydroid Crisis. Neoform. And, <laughs> and here's Ice Vein Codal. And then now I think it's a, I think one of the, I think, I think Neoform is the best Blue Green card in modern, but I think Ice Vein Codal is second. Easy. And I, I don't know where we both put Hydroid Crisis, but it's absolutely we, dominated standard for the last few we, months. We, it was released when we did the, when we did the top 10 Blue Green cards, it wasn't released, but when we did the best card of each color combo yeah yeah yeah. it was a bit we talked about it then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's really good <laughs> it's really good um all right next card munitions expert right in a black goblin flash when munitions expert enters the battlefield you may have it deal damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of goblins you control it's a one one so the one thing that this is harking back to is gem gem palm incinerator incinerator yeah um now this instead of having to cycle it and draw a card you just get a one one creature with flash um and so comparable, would you say a one-one goblin that adds to the pip that needed to be able, or adds to the the count is better than gem palm incinerator? Well, it's an instant, and it's black red versus mono red. Yeah, I, I think this card is good. This card is especially good in limited uh, more than it is probably necessarily in modern. I think it's powerful, and I think there are some very cool things this card does. I don't. This doesn't make me feel like okay, this is gonna. You don't think you don't think the like goblin matron goblin decks aren't going to try and play this card maybe i mean probably yes i just this i don't look at this card and go oh this is going to make that deck x times more powerful i think it's like this is a card i would consider playing in that deck sure there's enough good cards in that deck already that i don't know if this makes it is this card good enough is this card good enough to push you into black that's kind of yeah there's a lot of good goblins there's a lot now i don't know if this does for me okay it's right on the edge how about you uh i think this and there's one other i think that would put me closer to black the siege gang commander or not Siege Gang, Siege Gang Launcher, the, the new black one. one. The new four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those two together put... I think if I'm in black for that, I think this card definitely is something to consider. Right. Especially like as at worst a sideboard card against any deck playing any of the 10 powerful Planeswalkers because this hits Planeswalkers and being able to get rid of them in a Goblins deck is relevant. Fair. Without having to like lose an attack step, right? Ruination Rider, red, green, human berserker. When Ruination Rider dies, you may have it deal damage to any target equal to the number of land cards in your graveyard. I think this is just the best way to take lands in your graveyard quantities and do direct damage. Like, I don't think there's a way to just pretty, fire pretty something. Powerful. And it's a 2-2 two, two for two that's, like, relatively aggressive. And then once it's in play, it's so hard to block this guy because as soon as he dies, as long as I've fetched twice, at worst, it's a shock. Right. And then 
in any deck that's trying to take advantage of it, that scales up real quick. I think that if Dread Return or some effect from your graveyard where you could resurrect something was legal, maybe there would be a just straight up mill your entire deck and this thing just ends the game. Sure. Right, right off the bat that would come to mind. But I'm sure there is some version of a deck that's going to do exactly something like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, Countryside Crusher in this card, like there's a bunch of... Yeah, I think this is better than Countryside Crusher will ever be. In yeah. Mind. I like I I don't know if I'm playing Countryside Crusher, but if I ever did, I would consider this card first. Yeah, I mean, again, like they've just pushed, they've just pushed a lot of these things to cost two mana, right. and now when something costs two, it hits that bill in modern of like, all right, I can build around this because turn two is my setup turn. Like turn two is where I need to be doing something impactful. Right. Like I can just put this into play early, and then for the rest of the game, it's just a thing that exists, and my opponent either has to worry that I'm going to seismic assault it to kill them, or. I'm going to attack them with it and they can't block it because if they die, if they block it, they take 10 damage to the face. Like it's such a, a like a trap for your opponent that I think it has a lot of potential. Unsettled Mariner, white, blue, shapeshifter, changeling. Whenever you are a permanent, you control becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent controls counter that spell or an ability unless his controller pays one. This is the best Eldrazi in Modern Horizons. Also the best... Uh, Oof! No, it's not the best oof. There's that. There's the stony silence one. There's the spell wild oof. You mean? What's the? What's like a weird <laughs> tribe? Best mer. It's the best mer in the format. Yeah, this card's well. This card's really interesting. So again, in that blue deck that I mentioned, the the fairies one, I actually ended up uh, playing a little bit of white so that I could have access to two of these. Sure. Every tribe can now consider this. It's a humans card. It's an elf card. It's a fairies card. It's a merfolk card. It's a, spirits, it's a card. spirits card. It's a like we were talking about um, slivers the other week, and then we were talking about this card being a part of that deck because it's so powerful as an introduction. And then there's a bunch of tribes out there that like need a little bit of help, and this is a reason to be in a tribe with this card. Yeah, I mean, this card is really good. They again, the rates pushed. It costs two. It the fact that you can slot this into any one of your cool decks that's trying to do something a little bit wacky off the rails and needs a little bit of time to set up just to slow your opponent down we've all seen how good thalia is and right, effectively right. this kind of thalia is from for your deck it's not quite a thalia but it does allow it thalia is for you if they're trying to disrupt what you're doing that's not intrinsically as powerful as like a human's deck the issue is this is also a human so it just makes humans that much better also sure but it's a little bit more redundant in humans where like other decks that didn't have access to protection for their creatures yeah. or you were or or attacks effects against people's spells were looking for that effect um do you, do you think that this uh would suggest you might want to play a little more white in your merfolk deck. I know, like that's a thing people have tried in the past. Obviously, the blue white yeah. sig is a decent card, and um, there are some other kind of cool. There's a white, white lord, right? There's a white that's merfolk th lord. That's the sig. I was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. Um, so this card makes me think. Okay, like now you've now you've pushed me a little more into white. This fits really nicely into my you know two CMC aether vial plan that I get with all my lords. It, you know, it has the curse catcher effect, except that it's a bear that affects the board without having to sacrifice it. Sure. So I think it's pretty good. I, I think it's going to see play in a lot of decks in modern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next card is Ren and Six, Red, Green, Legendary Planeswalker, Ren, three loyalty, plus one, return up to one target land card from your graveyard to your hand, minus one, Ren and Six deals one damage to any target, minus seven, you get an emblem with instance and sorcery cards you're in your graveyard, have retrace, which means that you can discard a land card from your hand to cast that spell from your graveyard, um, for its converted mana cost. Uh, this has already jumped up, I mean, uh, I think it's gone down a little bit, and part of that is just the format shaking out to not have this lands deck out there but i think this is a pretty powerful consideration always for these lands decks that we've mentioned the second actual legitimate two mana planeswalker or were there a bunch in war of the spark that i'm forgetting uh war of the spark and no two mana ones right? the only other two mana one is uh jace fringe prodigy that's what i'm saying but actual like it comes down as a planeswalker yeah yeah it's, it's the this second and one ever this, and this one is a good one versus well they learned Tybalt. something yeah this card this card makes me think two things 
The first thought I have, they are never going to print Wasteland into Modern. This card should be a pretty good indicator of the fact that they are never going to print yes, Wasteland into absolutely. Modern. If they could never have printed this card, if they had some intention of putting an actual hard LD spell, mm -hmm. like, a, like an LD land with this is a nightmare. We've been talking about this because every single player in Highlander Gauntlet has some three-color lands deck sure. that plays all of the lands and all of the Sylvan Scryings and right. things. And this... And a strip mine in your opening hand is the most unfun thing that's ever happened. Right. Your opponent just looks at you and like, really, bro? Really? Well, and what's cool about this card is I've already been seeing people add it to their Jun decks, seeing it add into their, you know, if they're playing Naya decks, I guess that's a thing that could happen. But, you know, the fact that this, like, in many ways, plus ones to draw you a card in Modern because you have fetch lands, I was already running with a single life from the Loam and Jund just because getting extra lands to discard to Liliana the Veil, getting extra lands to just keep, you know, making sure I'm hitting my land drops every turn. And then I, like, added one cycle land and, and I had uh, Traverse, not Traverse. For Tyler's Tracker. Tyler's Tracker. I had, I had two Tyler's Tracker in there, so it made sure I kept hitting the clues off of my fetch lands. Um, this card's really good in that. Like, it fits kind of in the similar spot as the Bob or the Dark Confidant slot, and it allows you to cut Dark Confidants that are medium right now, or like the draw effect on them is, you know, the life total hit is a little too harsh. I really like that the minus ability is direct damage to any target, not to a mm -hmm. creature. Or, or like a creature or planeswalker would made this a little bit less appealing. Sure. The fact that it is this can this can function as kind of a mini engine for you in the late game to just start closing the game out a little bit at a time if you needed to. Yeah, like get a land, do a damage. Get yeah, a land, get a land do, do a damage. damage. And I think also the fact that we now have the cycle lands. All the cycle lands are now going to be in modern. The one mana cycle land sure. just is like they're They've just pushed the power level. Do you feel like in the last three months, Modern's power level has jumped like 20%? Uh, I think this is the fastest format in modern Magic history. Yeah. Like I, right now, I think like someone posted this earlier that this is a turn six format in the sense that each player gets six turns and then the game is over. Right. And the sense that like, and that's faster than Vintage has ever really been. That's faster than uh, Legacy has ever really been. And I think that that's like one thing that is when we, this last weekend, and or next weekend, depending on if you're in the future or us now, uh, why we're going to be talking about kind of a banless conversation because the power level of modern is so high and like cards like this were added that are really high power level but aren't doing anything yet. And that's something they really pay attention to. Right. Next is Etchings of the Chosen, one black white enchantment as Etching of the Chosen enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, creatures you control of the chosen type gets plus one plus one. You may sacrifice a creature of the chosen type, target creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. This card, we don't have to say too much about this. It adds a couple things. Um, anytime you give me a card that allows, you know, Adaptive Automaton, a Metallic Mimic, like mm -hmm. anything that where it comes down and affects lots of tribes, I'm interested because it just sure. there's there's a glue that adds ideas together. Yep. And the fact that on top of that, it's black and it has a sacrifice ability built into the card means that it's going to play with zombies well. It's going to play with a vampire deck that wants to sack creatures. Right, right. It's going to play with any kind of any kind of tribal card that wants you to sack creatures. Um, and that's cool. I think it's a cool uh, uh, card just for aristocrat decks because they both make tokens. So the creature bonus could just choose the token type you're making or the creatures that you have if you're more vampire leaning. I agree. Uh, next card is Good Fortune Unicorn. One green white creature unicorn. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. Uh, there's two conversations with this. One is it just it's another thing like Malira or Vizier that goes infinite with Kitchen Finks or uh, right. any of the persist creatures. So if you're going to try to go with the whole... Well, actually, it doesn't work with Pod because Pod's gone. So if you were going to try to have something in a different CMC effectively... Sure. Just yeah, that you, you wanted yeah, to. you want to go to the three mana versus two mana. I don't think there is a three mana card that does it. So this gets you the three mana CMC needed to be able to do that. Um, more importantly... There aren't enough unicorns in Magic. I'm going to go on this rant right now. The fact that it is like 
the premier fantasy creature in pop culture. Literally, we sell a collectible series of these squishy characters as a toy company, and one of the six characters that we have at Walmart right now is a unicorn, and it's outselling the next one four to one. <laughs> and as Magic especially is trying to become a little bit more appealing to women, and yeah. especially ki- this is a kid's game in its intent. Like yeah. The amount of little sisters I know in the world that have a brother that played Magic that like their entire experience with Magic is like, oh, I want all of the unicorn cards, and they're just... Angels two of unicorns. them yeah. and so let's get more unicorns in the game these could be legendary there's not a legendary unicorn there's no unicorn tribal i know right i'm waiting for there there need there needs to be a commander unicorn prince in the next right. commander set like i i i think it is what's the third, it's, what's it's laughable the, what's the third color on your unicorn green white make perfect sense why does it have to be three colors i'm just imagining well, a lot of the sweet commanders blue, they print blue or red yeah, blue probably. A bant unicorn makes sense. Bant unicorn makes sense. So kind does of, a naya unicorn. Kind of fiery unicorn. Yeah. They're powerful. Yeah. Cool. Like a ponita. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what a ponita is? That's a that's a Pokemon. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Proud of you. I collected the cards. Okay. Kaya's Guile, one black white, instant, choose two. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. Exile all cards from your each opponent's graveyard. Create a one one white and black spirit creature token with flying. You gain four life. You can entwine three to choose all of them. For six mana, you get all of those effects. For three mana, you get two of them. Uh, this card's really powerful. I've already seen it in a bunch of cyborg cards. It's just any time you have a card that reads do a bunch of things. Yeah. That's good. I want all the guiles now. I want like each planeswalker in the guile. gatewatch to have a guile. With four modes. Like I mean, uh, Jace's guile, Chandra's guile. This obviously relates most uh, familiarly to Kologon's Command. It's the card that it feels the most like. Yes. Um, at three CMC in black and a bunch of kind of relevant modern effective abilities. It's a little less good than that card. It, it's just like a does. Well, you don't you don't have the looping effect that yeah. uh, Kologon's Command can do by rebuying Snapcaster Mages or uh, you know other creatures. But but yeah, I mean the, it's an instant speed. This is an instant speed edict, which which is strong. Those are always strong. Mm-hmm. It's an instant speed make a blocker, which is strong. The fact that it gains four life means that it is scalably better. Half of this card is scalably better than 80% of the cards in burn or any sure. kind of a burn deck that are going to try to one like, man at a three you. This rough is rough for burn because like you play this and you get rid of their goblin guy and gain four life or you create a blocker and you gain four life is like just on its own, just a, a beating. Yeah, um, for sure. The rate's really and, good. And we say it on this podcast pretty much every episode, but you have 15 cards on your sideboard and whenever a card and a sideboard card you put in your card can be good against multiple decks, it stretches your sideboard in a way that's very powerful. And this card is good against three different matchups and worth playing. This in response to them trying to get back, let's just say two Phoenixes on their big Phoenix sure. turn, you exile their yard in response to the trigger and gain four life is like... Okay, so now you have to recover and you have to burn me out with two more cards or find the phoenixes because right. or or like they play their you know their non phoenix card like wall yeah uh, or uh, thing in the ice or or, or crackling drake or the, crackling make, drake making them sack their crackling drake is very strong yeah, so they sack it they lose all those cards in their graveyard this card's really good. Lava Belly Sliver. This is Sliver creatures you control of when this creature enters the battlefield. It deals one damage to target player and or Planeswalker, and you gain one life. One red white. It's a two two. We talked about this with the Unearth card. That's part of that Unearth kind of cycle where you have this, that, and the sacrifice to make two black mana. So you kind of go infinite with those three. Yeah, I, would just, sliver. I, would, I would just go listen to the Slivers episode. Yeah. We, we've talked a lot about Slivers already. Uh, Lightning Skeletal. Black red red elemental skeleton. Trample haste when it deals combat damage to a player. That player discards two cards, and at the beginning of the end step, you have to sacrifice it. It's a 6-1. So ball lightning, blightning, 
<laughs> ball ball blightning. Yeah. Uh, which I'm assuming that this was called ball blightning through all play testing. And then Probably. they came up with a sillier name because they wanted to keep the name. Um, I've seen a bunch of people trying this in Jun list. I've, Cause like just getting this off of a blood braid elf is an insane crazy value, cra- crazy value moment for them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard, that, that's, that's the fun history of magic throwback to like, you used to get a blightning off your blood braid elf. Now you get a blightning and, uh, well, and, like you can like you say you hit them for three, yeah. Like that's one more card than Blightning was hitting them for, and then every damage above that. Plus, you killed a creature because they had a chump lock. Plus, if you like turn two. If you like, I mean, yeah, and just hitting this one turn three, like strong. No, it's totally yeah. strong, especially in a format that like because of the new Mulligan rule and because of the new Horizon Lands, life totals have now been lowered almost to twelve versus fifteen, which were there where they were like. Hitting someone for six, this is half their life total if they've fetched lands and casted a card. Yeah, I think another thing that's really cool about this card, and I've, I've said this a couple times now, but we're seeing it in the M20 previews a lot. They are continuing to push elementals a creature type. Mm-hmm. They're continuing to give us more and more interesting creatures that are elementals. And right now, because of Unclaimed Territory, Primal Beyond, and Cavern of Souls, you have 12 five-color lands. Casting this in a deck with any other colored elemental, you don't care. You're yeah. completely fine. You're yeah, going to hit yeah, this yeah. on turn three in that deck almost every single time. Because red is also your base color, right? So black is just a splash. Like, it's aggressive. There's a lot of cool elemental Did stuff. you see wet Omnath? No. There's a third Omnath card. Is it good? He's, like, reaching close to Div-Mizzet levels of number of printings. He's oh one behind. <laughs> Next card is... It's, it's fine. I don't know if it's modern playable. It's just... it's. I love that he keeps adding colors as he grows. I'm, I'm hoping we get a five-color Omnath, because that's the other... Like, yeah. el- like, Elementals are a five-color tribe. I think we can talk about this for under a minute, and I think there's only a couple things to say about it. Whenever, okay. Uh, Soul Herder, one blue-white. Whenever a creature is exiled the battlefield, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on Soul Herder. At the beginning of your unstep, you may exile another target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner control it's a one one so what's cool about it and the reason we just we'll talk about it really briefly mm-hmm. is blink effects have always been like cool that's like always a thing in modern that we've liked um venser is one of your favorite cards ever uh, sure blue white planeswalker venser yeah and anytime they've tried to put this sort of effect repeatedly on a card it has to cost like four five six mana so conjurer's closet venser cards like that the fact that this is three and gets something to turn that it comes down in blue white which is classically the blink colors does mean that if you protect this card the right way, if you go about it like like clear their hand, or you're playing this in you know maybe Esper, so you've you've thought sees them in an earlier turn, mm-hmm. you can start to set up some pretty de- degenerate stuff. You know, like Stone Hort, Dignitary, Stone Hort Dignitary. I mean, your you new have... card, our two one that we just talked about, the yeah. Hideaway card with this is really good. Yeah, yeah. The Hideaway card, like getting to top four, put a card into your hand every turn, right. and every time you do this gets bigger. Plus, when you path something, this thing is going to get one bigger. It, it's whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield, right? Yeah, and so it starts getting bigger itself. Yeah, too. So I, I definitely think this card's really cool, and the art's amazing. It's just a one-one for three, unfortunately, <laughs> so it makes it hard to imagine seeing a lot of play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, collected conjuring two blue red sorcery exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast up the sor- two sorcery cards with converted mana cost three or less from among them without paying their mana cost. Put the exile cards not cast this way in the bottom of your library in, in random order. It's sorcery collective company, both in the sense that it finds sorceries and also it is a sorcery and the art is dope and I don't think it's very good. What would you do with this card? I mean, you would you, you would play, what are your like highest impact three CMC sorceries if you were going to max value? Like, uh, I absolutely would not play any three CMC sorceries. I'd find ones that cost nothing and you can only cast if you suspend them. Yeah. So <laughs> you'd get the two rhinos, new card, you'd get draw three cards after it. Right, you'd try, right, like right. this is a card for the as for told decks is the play I would maybe play it. And I don't think it's better than electro dominance, the red finale or as for told. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Maybe as a one of in that deck. Maybe it's, it's cool. I like the design. Not really powerful. Yep. Enough, I don't think 
Cast Ascendant Mage, best card in Magic. We're done. We can finish this review <laughs> well, now. We did. You guys, if you guys want to hear us talk about Cast Ascendant Mage, we, it was our preview card. So it's, it's just so people don't know, it's red, black, blue. One Cast Ascendant Mage. Its art uh, is great. Legendary creature, human wizard, flying during each of your turns. You may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If a card casts, will be put into your graveyard. Exiled instead. It's a three-four. I've previewed this card now twice. It's the best. I could talk about it forever, but there's a whole episode about it, and we're running out of time a little bit. Uh, it's powerful. I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. It's Snapcaster Mage every turn in Grixis, and just we're done. That's it. We can stop talking about magic ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Fallen Shinobi three blue black zombie ninja ninja do two blue black. Whenever Fallen Shinobi deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top two cards of their library until end of turn. You may play those cards without paying their mana cost. It's a five four. So it. Ninjitsu's in for four mana to deal five damage and then uh, play top two, the top two cards of the library of your opponent. So that you do damage to that is a pretty huge swing. I've already seen, I think it was Connolly, but it might've been someone else posted a list of him playing the, the Kotal and other like fairies and the one drop fairy that uh, scries to that was printed to just sneak yep. this guy into play, do a ton of damage. You get a ton of value for four, four mana. Um, I think this like seeing the spoiler, I didn't think this card would be doing anything, but people are already playing it. So it's a really it's big, very huge it's swing. a really big swing, right? Cause it's, it's a four mana dome five draw to, and you don't really lose any tempo right. and because it's blue. It allows you to play it alongside force of negation, um, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people are doing as you're getting these extra cards. Uh, you are playing your free counter spells. Right. And so that's, I'm actually a little, not, I wouldn't say totally worried, but I'm a little worried now that between this and disrupting shoal, we have two free counter spells alongside a whole bunch of sweet new blue cards in modern that I'm a little concerned the format's going to start to be just like, I'm on the other end of that. We need that. Like right now, the format's so degenerate on the other end that different ways to stop those things. Like while Modern Horizons was being previewed before decks were kind of coming out there, I was definitely like, oh, Force of Negation is definitely good enough. But like at this point, I'm also like, maybe we need that and Force of Will and Disrupting Shoal just to like be able to fight the format. Um, But this card's really good. I mean, this, yeah. It's really powerful, yeah. Hogak. Next on the list. Hogak, Arisen Necropolis. Five green, black, green, black. Hybrid. So it's seven mana, two hybrid mana. Legendary creature avatar. It's an eight, eight. You can't spend mana to cast this spell. Convoke Delve. (laughs) So this card is super duper interesting. Well, I'm not done reading it yet. There's more cards. It has Convoke and Delve. So each creature you uh, tap while casting the spell for one or one mana of that creature's color. And then each card you exile from your graveyard pays for one mana. So you can tap your creatures and exile cards from your graveyard. You may cast Hogak, the Risen Necropolis, from your graveyard. It's a trampling 8-8. Uh, this so card along ruining is, modern right now. <laughs> it's not the card though, right? Like it's obviously very powerful and it's very strong, but this plus um, Alter Dementia, Alter Dementia plus the fact that the Vengevine deck had um, you know and, and Bridge from Below all together, I think are all all really what's kind of powering it. It's got a bunch of different pieces in the last two years. The other one is the one drop that mills three when it dies and enters play. Stitcher supplier, Stitcher supplier, which is basically in this deck in many ways a. The thing, and then you have the fact that just this, like that deck has a such a consistent turn three win. I saw someone mull the three against the deck itself, and then win on and turn three. Win. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's it's super duper interesting. Yeah. So so for people who don't know what the kind of the combo is, is the old Dredgevine decks, uh, or it's now you know just the Vengevine Citrus Supplier. You have 
Bloodgast, you have the Gravecrawler, just a bunch of different creatures from your graveyard that you can bring into play. Now you get the fact that you're playing Altar of Dimension. Altar of Dimension to sacrifice them to mill yourself to eventually get bridges into your graveyard. So for people to know what that card does, it's a three black mana enchantment that you never want in play. But if it's in your graveyard and a creature dies in Plander you control, you make a 2-2 zombie token. And then if your opponent has a creature that dies under their control, it gets exiled. But the deck allows itself to mill itself out to the point where it has so many of these and so many of these free creatures and so many Hogax that it can kind of start looping itself to eventually either swing at your opponent with a bunch of 2-2 zombies or just sack them all to mill them to death. Which I think most of the lists are milling them to death. No, you see both. Because like it just generically is attacking with Venge Vines on turn three. Like like you're doing a lot of damage in a format that we just talked about. People are starting at a 14-point life total. Yeah. Being able to swing with like three Blood Gasts on turn two and then four like three Venge Vines on turn three and yeah. then play a Hogak is like hard to beat without the mill effect. The mill effect is just an inevitability engine. Eventually they'll win. On the on the stream last night on the, the MM Cast YouTube channel, um, I deck teched a gentleman's deck. You guys can go watch that on the stream from, uh, it was Thursday night, the 19th, I think, right? Today's the 20th? Mm-hmm. Thursday night, the 19th, I do a whole stream and in the middle of it, um, this awesome dude, uh, he had me deck tech the deck and it basically was combining Hollow One with this deck. So it doesn't play the Altar of Dementia package, but it plays the entire, the whole entire base of the Dredgevine deck sure. without bridges and without the Altar, but like, it plays Insolent Neonate and all this stuff, plus like two Hogax, and it's just like super, super aggressive without the combo win. Sure. It plays 13 lands and four Spirit Guides. So what's interesting about that is it does make an argument for, you know, what is the broken card, right? Because like if, say they ban Altar or they ban Bridge, because I think Bridge is the card to ban. If and he doesn't play me. either. And he was like, I've t- he's like, I've top-hated a bunch of 100-man events recently locally with this list. Yeah. So it's like, like, so the question is, is like, what's really the problem card? And I think part of the issue, and there's a rant on Twitter that we retweeted today um, from someone that I will look up while I'm talking. But basically, the gist of it is that like Wizards has just printed a ton of powerful graveyard interactions. Now, on the other end, they've also printed a ton of good ways to interact with the graveyard. Like totally. Kyle, Kyle is Guile um, is a great example of that. And just like what where are they looking for the graveyard to be that in modern and, and what do they want is really a big question because like yes faithless looting is making all these decks possible but is it faithless looting or like most of the decks i think are fine without faithless looting well i think yeah and i think the most interesting thing you bring up here is that like all right so if the graveyard is becoming a more and more essential piece of the deck building process for a lot of these decks but between every single color and relic of progenitus and nile spellbomb and leyline and all these things that you can play in any deck now you have tons of ways to interact with the graveyard it was you will- rin last of the mardu at the lovely medusa has a really good rant right now we retweeted it she retweeted it on 6 2019 um you can look it up but like because there are so many ways now in every color to interact with the graveyard and so many of these decks are so dependent on their graveyard interaction it does sort of ask the question, if Modern's a three-game format and they've just adjusted this mulligan rule so that in game two, you're going to have a really good shot at drawing your graveyard hate, mm-hmm. I don't know how oppressive graveyard decks will be long-term or if they need to ban something because you just have to build your sideboard correctly so that like you can punish the decks that are relying on their sideboard too completely. Sure. It's, or, or on their graveyard. It's not supposed to be... Your graveyard is not supposed to be your hand. It's supposed to be less good than your hand. It's just there are a lot of things that interact with it in a cool way now. I mean, but like the issue is if all these cards you had to cast out of your graveyard, then I think it would be fine. It's the fact that the way that they made it is that you don't, it doesn't act like your hand. It acts like this other resource where there's just free stuff shows up from and being able to kind of deal with that and figure out how Wizards wants to really design philosophy, focus on the graveyard and modern and standard while also 
creating a format of modern that's healthy? I, it, it's definitely a good question. I, I can see Faithless Looting getting banned just because it's the obvious card. But like Phoenix won't go away. That deck will still be good. Nope. Dredge will still be fine. That'll start playing more cathartic reunions and other pieces. Like the real problem there is the the Lightning Helix card, the free Creeping Chill. Yeah, Creeping Chill is really the problem with Dredge with the Hogak deck. Like Faithless Looting is not even an important piece to it. Like Stitcher Supplier is and Bridge and Hogak. Like so, like even if they ban Faithless Looting, that's not even going to touch this deck. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in the graveyard world, and figuring out what's really ha- important to get rid of is going to be hard. A hard challenge, and I don't. I don't envy it. And we'll talk a lot about that at GPC Seattle last weekend. <laughs> right. Uh, Mox Tantalite is the next card. Artifact suspend three uh, zero cost. So it's a Mox for zero, but it takes three turns to enter to play. Add one mana of any color. Tap it. So this is we already had a Black Lotus that did this, and now we have a Mox that does it. We have an any color Mox. So. It is worse in one way because that doesn't matter as much. Why would you play this over the Lotus and most of the decks that are trying to like cheat and rebuy it? Except <laughs> Bolas' Citadel was printed <laughs> and decks like that that want to cast free cards off the top of their deck for free. And this card's a house in that deck. I and mean, I think makes that deck a possibility to be real. Bolas' Citadel deck? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, the, totally. This card's interesting. I mean, what the thing I'll always say is anytime they print a Mox, anytime there's a possibility to break it, even if it takes sure. a little while. So I think long term, you'll see this will be. This will be something that you can do cool stuff with. I also think that like there there is stuff that I've been like looking at with Goblin Engineer where I'm like I I wonder how much sort of value you can start getting out of a super cheap artifact graveyardy deck where sure. you search and put this into your yard from your engineer on turn two and maybe you have an Arkham's Astrolabe or some other artifact you've already gotten value and you sack it and it accelerates you because it's not going to be a Dark Steel Citadel it's an any color land like right. there's there's some pretty cool stuff you can do I we so we'll post the list uh, in the Discord and we'll probably post it in the public facing list section um, of the the What's it called? The the Bullets Citadel list that Connolly Woods posted online. Yeah, yep. It's really good. Uh, it looks really sweet. Arkham's Astrolabe Lab. Labe. Astrolabe, I think. Astrolabe. Uh, one snow mana. That's it. One one snow. Snow artifact. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Uh, tap it. Add one mana of any color. I've also seen this card in a lot of places. Uh, you, you, you have to tap sink one into it to add one mana. Yeah, yeah. It, it fixes the mana to whatever color you need it to be. Well, I think one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of is that ability allows these snow mana bases that don't get to take advantage of fetches to be able to play the game. This is it. this is Prophetic Prism for one snow, correct? Isn't that the same card? Yes. Right? Yeah. So Prophetic Prism classically is too expensive to play in modern, but, but it it's like is close. It's like a very cool card that you've always, people are always like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's solid. It mm-hmm. like fixes you into like a weird multicolor mana base, but it also draws you a card. It's repeatable. You can blink it. You can get it back from your yard. Well, part of the reason is that the mana base in Modern is pretty clean, and so you don't really need that type of fixing available. And if you need the extra artifact, there's just, once you get to two mana, better things to be casting there that do more powerful things. Now, at one mana, and with words on it that specifically lead you to playing a deck that doesn't have great mana, this is like a format staple. That deck that I took to GP San Antonio when I played uh, with, I think, Ryan and Steve was a deck that was doing the whole Ensoul Artifact with like, you know, basically trying to find a way to get a lot of value out of Ensoul Artifact on turn two and mm-hmm. Gargadons and all that cool stuff. And this card's great for that. Yeah, I mean, that deck was trying to cast a, uh, it was trying to take advantage of playing zero one drops and it was playing um, the Chalice of the Void. Sure. And, and so like, this doesn't fit totally into that exact deck, but the idea that a turn one artifact can come down and you can swing for five on turn two with your with your in soul artifact after already having drawn a card off the artifact. So they're just one for wanting you if they get rid of it. Well, and yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty strong. I mean, not to just talk towards 
the snow decks also are looking for as many snow permanents as possible that like they can get in early that gain them value. So like the Codal wants this in play because once you have five snow permanents in play, you can start giving a death touch. The four only it has three yeah, other. Four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, three other, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, the new board wipe wants you know every snow permanent you have does one mi- more minus one minus one. This yep. adds to that. The new uh, merit liege card that brings a merit liege into play enchantment wants ten snow artifacts. There are snow permanents. This is another snow permanent. Like most snow things, care about how many you have. This is really cheap to get into play. Helps you fix your mana in a mana base that's already going to have problems and like kind of does everything the deck wants to do and it replaces itself. That just, doesn't even mention all the powerful things that, that you can do just with the one mana cantripping artifact. I mentioned goblin engineer a second ago because i built a whole deck around it Mm -hmm. um and it's cool i actually i talked about it on my stream uh last night as well um and it's really fun it's probably not that powerful it's like mardu colors and it's trying to get mirror superior into play off sacrificing like tide hollow sculler with a trigger on the stack and i'm not playing this card in the deck because it's three colors sure if i simplified a build to be really red based and maybe two colors you absolutely would play that card right because like that on turn one turn two get your good artifact in your graveyard sack this thing to get it back value right not to like, mention like decks like Scred. None of those decks don't want to fix mana currently, but they could pretty easily probably be smushed into a deck that's like splashing black or doing something else with it, and this helps. Um, next card, Universal Automaton. One colorless. It's a 1-1 one, one changeling shapeflifter artifact creature. So it's just every creature ever printed, one mana for a 1-1. One, one. Um, Only reason this is relevant to talk about, I mean, I guess it's an artifact, so that's relevant as well, but like... It's just you have now the added ability that any tribal deck has an any color one drop and any color it wants to start with. Right. There's a bunch of like and there's like weird ones that might want a champion or something else that just getting access to a one mana effect for a one one of that tribe can turn things on that previously didn't have the easiest time. The other thing, and we talked about this last week, is we were talking kind of about a more goblin based goblin engineer deck that's taking advantage of the both card types of right. the card and you know more of like a Kadothu red giving all your goblins pumps with him being able to find pieces and this is another piece to kind of help that where That's it allows you to bring stuff into your graveyard buy them back um and so that was another piece that you know we were looking for artifacts that you would play in the goblin Kadothu red or a goblin artificer deck and this is definitely a, a fit for that also anytime you have like a utility piece like this that costs one as an artifact mm-hmm. there's not that many one mana artifact creatures there's mm-hmm. actually re- re- like a relatively small number so the way that it interacts with stuff like a trinket mage or sure and it's just sort of effect you know your artificer's intuition like your thing that wants to get that cheap artifact and take advantage of it pretty strong and and uh, i think remembering correctly we were talking about also playing with like goblin war marshal or anything that make tribes cheaper like this could be a memnite Yep. With, depending on which exactly. side you're playing pretty easily and then you start being able to do powerful things of returning it to your hand or bouncing it or doing other cool things for effect um, next card is Altar of Dementia we talked about it a little bit already with the Hogak deck but it's two colorless mana for an artifact to sacrifice a creature target player puts a number of cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power from the top of their library into their graveyard this card's super powerful uh, this might be the most powerful reprint they printed and it's interesting because in other formats it's just fine because they have other artifacts that do somewhat more powerful things but just a free sacrifice a creature effect on a mill effect is like just so powerful we've talked about before last week we even talked about how the red card the dragon that makes a dragon is the only non-green or non-black sacrifice outlet this is the best artifact one and is an argument that you don't even need that red creature because you have this available to you right milling out your opponent is both a win condition and in the graveyard deck say engine so you like this switches from I'm going to make my combo way more powerful immediately to I'm also going to win with it. And like, it just does so many different things. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think like we, we have talked a lot about anything from like a, um, 
what the, what the heck is the name of like the two mana artifact you can sack of things to like put charge counters on it and like, sure. remove them to make a two two I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it but there wasn't exactly a wealth of non-creature sources to repeatedly sacrifice for no mana. Right. We just didn't have many. And so I, I don't necessarily want that effect in particular, mm-hmm. but the fact that I'm able to play it in any color for two, not three, um, very strong. Even if you don't want this effect, eventually this just wins the game, right? Yeah, It's right. a win condition. Like, because milling a person kills a person, there are a lot of games where you're just like, oh, I win because I have enough creatures to mill you out. The Talisman Cycle. So these are all cards, and previously we had them for for, uh, allied colored cards. Now we have them for all color combos, and it's basically two mana. You can tap it to add one colorless mana uh, to your mana pool, or you can tap it to add one of two colors. Uh, Now all the color combinations are available, and it'll deal one damage to you. Um, So this is the other variant or version of cards that we previously had, the Signets. And these are... Depending on what you're doing better than the Signet, I definitely know that I really, really, really wanted a Talisman of Resilience back in the day when I was playing the uh, Tesserator list because I was trying right. to put in uh, green for Abrupt Decays right. because I needed some way to kill permanence in the deck. I mean, it's like these things have always shown to be like Just. valuable, like right on the edge of, of being playable. We talk about these more for Highlander in the end than we talk about them for Modern just because like that... In Highlander, you have a 100-card deck and six decks, so you want to have access to more effects like this. For Modern, where they're interesting is that they produce colorless mana. So these, alongside like Eldrazi cards and things that need the colorless source, Correct. that starts to allow you to play a slightly different take with more colors alongside your pain lands to get where you need to get. And, and like, and what's interesting is in reality in Modern, the enemy-colored combos are almost more powerful or more interesting as deck archetypes than the allied ones. So like Black-White Eldrazi is a deck that will take advantage of Talisman the Highlander. Totally. I don't, I don't see why, I don't know why the Black-White one wouldn't see playing that deck. Uh, Talisman and Creativity, like we just talked about a, a red artificer deck, but blue-red artifact decks are a thing that have been very powerful. Yeah. And this gives them a Talisman, which they absolutely needed. I mentioned needing decks needing like artifact blue black decks or, or blue artifact decks needing just the ability to splash so that they can get more powerful anti uh hate cards and talisman of the resilience lets you do that so giving the option of being able to play these color combos is really powerful and important for these decks and i can't imagine these seeing play once in a while in modern every once in a while yeah, yeah. scrapyard recombiner much sweeter three mana for an artifact creature construct it has modular two uh, this creature enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. When it dies, you may put its plus one plus one counters on our target artifact creature. It is a zero zero. You may tap it to sacrifice an artifact. Search your library for a construct card. Reveal it. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Um, this card is really sweet. Like first off, you can cheat it into play a few different ways. Like the with the what's the new elemental bird. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get to put with Vesperlark. Vesperlark gets us in the play, but like there's stuff like that effect. But more just like being able to sacrifice artifacts and get some really powerful constructs into your hand is like totally worth it. It can sacrifice itself. Well, right, because all of the all the good constructs, right? Like you have Ravager and you have Ballista and you have Hangerback Walker. Yeah, Hangerback um, Walker, Mem Knight, uh, Walking Ballista, Bromat Courier, Arcbound Ravager. Um those are like the affinity small and scrap keep scrounger is one steel overseer is one adaptive automaton is a construct for your tribal needs so i mean yeah it's, it's a really interesting card i mean it, um it's, yeah you can sack it to get one of those metal worker hand. for eternal formats <laughs> yeah 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 so i i think this card is definitely really cool it's one of it's one of the most interesting but again i will say this um it is another card that produces some value when you play it at three cmc but it costing three CMC versus costing two CMC will limit its ability to be massively good in modern. Except that it does stuff when it comes in, right? Because of the way that 
modular works and an infinity deck works like if they become a deck that wants to grind out more especially with hardened scales the fact that this can come down as a 4-4 that then puts those counters onto other creatures when it dies but even it, if they get rid of it you can't sack itself the turn it comes down yeah. oh sure it but the tap so but it's still a three mana 4-4 or three mana 2-2 that if it dies or chump blocks you still gain value off of it. yeah and i think this card is awesome i yeah. think i more mean like Season Pyromancer comes down and does something. So does this. So does the the Ranger Captain of Eos, right? Like a lot of these new cards, they cost three and they're good. But the fact that they are slightly bigger versions, like spins on cards that we sure. had that cost two, the idea is to advance those cards, right? Like the idea is yeah, this yeah. is a slightly bigger, slightly different Arcbound Ravager. Or you have a slightly bigger season, you know, young Pyromancer. Now it's a season Pyromancer. Sure. So changing the cost on it makes it that you're going to have to work a little harder to make this card work in your deck. But I well, do but think like it's really cool. Of the three cards you listed, two of them have already seen extreme play in Modern since Modern Horizons has come out. I mean, I like all of these cards. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I do think this card will see play. Sure. Um, I just wonder, yeah, I wonder how much. Uh, uh, and now, last two cards for the set review. <laughs> Took us like six and a half hours. Ooh, all right. They are Sword of Sinew and Steel and Sword and Truth of Justice. Uh, the Sword Cycle. We have now got Ally Swords. Why isn't Stolen Forge Mystic in the format? Three mana, artifact equipment. Uh, I'm doing Sword and Sinew and Steel first. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from black and from red. Whenever a cre equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, destroy up to one target Planeswalker and uh, up to one target artifact. Equipped two. This is the most value of these two swords. I think yeah. this one's like very specific, but also like right now, killing artifacts and Planeswalkers is pretty relevant and modern. Yeah. Uh, right now giving protection from black and red is the best two protections you can get in modern. Ish. White would be close, but... Yeah, but this gains more value than any of the white protections ones, right? Because, like, white-black is pretty medium value. Like, gaining life, who cares? Rebuying a creature is pretty medium. The I mean, the, this, I mean in, the way that, in the way that body and mind is the worst, because blue and green are the least significant to be protected against, this well, but, is really good in that, in that comparison. Sure, and the protection side is very powerful. And then I do think killing a Planeswalker in modern right now is, like, super relevant. Like, there's a ton of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, like, knocking out an Arset or, or a Karn or any right. of these things, if, you, you know, if you're able to play this and, and connect with it. I just think... They definitely took the power level of the swords and they they shifted them down for these two. They definitely uh, don't feel as like, I mean, I guess they're more they're more specific is the thing. So like, yes. if, if fire and ice is just your classically good, I'm drawing a card and I'm dealing damage. This is not that. This is something a lot more complex. I think these. I think this one is comparable to shadow and light and shadow. I okay. think. I think if if the god tier is sword, uh, fire and ice, fire and ice, and feast and famine. Like those are the best right. two, uh, and the bottom is body and mind. Right, well, body and mind has seen legacy play. Totally, um, being able to get through Jace's and Tarmogoyf's is good. Um, uh, and War and Peace, I would say, is probably comparable to body and mind. Right, um, where both of them are really only ever playable in any format historically. If those color protections are important, their like actual effects are medium. Right. Um, I would say this is closer to Light and Shadow, like dead in the middle, and maybe better than Light and Shadow. Yes. I would, I have more reasons to play this than Light and Shadow because of as a hate card against artifacts. Like these, these the two swords feel like these are much more printings, just for like for people to have fun with, because no swords really see much play in modern anyway. Until Stoneforge Mystic is unbanned. Yeah, yeah. unbanned Stoneforge Mystic. It feels like at this point they. Could. It's so silly that it's not unbanned. Like, and everyone's like, "Oh, but it'll hate on creature decks." I'm like, "No, Hogak attacking you on turn three with an eight-eight yeah. trample it hates on your creature deck." Right. Like the fact that. 
Teferi makes it so you no longer get to play the game ever again, hates on your creature deck. Right. Like that Karn makes it so you no longer get the cast mana ever again, hates on your creature deck. Stoneforge Mystic would let you get under those cards and be able to put a threat into play to be able to attack them. Yeah. I mean, um, I, ban Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> yeah, like a 4-4 four, four lifelinking end of turn on turn three is like pretty good i and like <laughs> i like understood aaron fourth argument that like blue white control was one of the best decks last year in yep. modern so like why would we give it more power level and then they printed the three mana teferi and narset into modern where like narset puzzle box is now a thing that blue white control gets to do there's like 15 <laughs> Let exist there's like 15 <laughs> new like unbelievably powerful things you can do in modern so much so that like my dumb brewing now feels more akin to the dumb brewing i was doing in 2011 because i feel so outclassed by what's happening in modern right it took me a few years to catch up and finally i was at a place where like i could come up with ideas that were like kind of competitive now like i'm like oh yeah i'll like loop this to get a five six into play <laughs> they're like you're already dead well it's it's like people are asking me for dope kess lists yeah and I'm like, i don't know like kogak exists uh, yeah karn exists <laughs> um the so last yeah. card uh sword and truth and justice three mana equipped creature gets plus two plus two and protection from white and from blue relevant against the all the things we were just talking about uh whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player put a plus one plus one counter on a creature you control then proliferate uh equipped two so this is maybe the hardest to evaluate the front end is like pretty medium Though fine, putting a plus one plus one counter and proliferate is so swinging on how valuable it is, as we know. Um, I think this card's pretty powerful. I'll play it in my Highlander decks because I play with a lot of. I have a Geist deck, or not a Highlander, a Commander deck, yeah. um, where Geist plays with this and gets to loop it with his all the Planeswalkers that are in the deck. Um, blue Eye Control, like if I hit with this in a Blue Eye Control deck, that's a lot of value. Like taking my Narset up, my Teferi up, my other Teferi up, and my Jace up is right. like a lot of loyalty for doing damage to someone. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, this card, I mean, I, I was, they were probably the two mythics that I w had the biggest, like, swing back on my actual excitement for their power level. Not because I don't think they're powerful, I just, like, I have tried to build decks that take advantage of swords and modern a lot, mm -hmm. and these don't get me super excited to do that. So they'll probably be cards that I'll end up using for other purposes that are sweet. But uh, yeah, that's going to wrap us up on the set review, guys. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you, Wizards, for the free preview card for those who didn't. Thank you, Wizards, for the free preview card for those who didn't get to see it. Brought back. Brought super dope. Back. Uh, and see you guys next week. Yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoy GP Seattle. We'll be back with some non-set review content pretty soon. And be sure to check out the YouTube channel and subscribe and all the things so that you can see us going live every single week. I'm going to go at least once a week, and I think Alex is going to start doing it too. Yep. We're really excited about it. Yep, Thanks yep, yep. for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.